Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. All right, so there are Super Bowl hangovers, and then there is whatever the hell is going on with Matthew Gofford. Matthew Stafford. He doesn't even seem hungover. He still seems Super Bowl wasted, bleep-faced, like he's out here seeing double-double. This stadium is spinning. He's spewing vomit all over the field. At least that would explain why he's been out here looking like Matthew Gofford so far this year. In fact, he's looking like such ass that Matthew Gofford isn't even a fair nickname anymore. Because while Stafford is golfing, Goff has been straight balling. That's a take onto itself, which I'll get to. But if we're being totally honest here, Jared Goff is, in fact, completely outplaying Matthew Stafford so far in 2022. And that's not even subject to debate. That's not even close. After last night, Stafford now has four TDs to six INTs. He's been sacked 16 times. He leads the league once again in INTs. Meanwhile, Goff is tied with Mahomes Mahomes? for the league lead in touchdowns with 11. He's third in passing yardage behind only Justin Herbert and Josh Allen. Allen. And he's only turned it over three times. Like I said, Stafford doesn't even deserve the Gofford gloss. He's not even playing well enough to be Gofford. He's not worthy. He's not worthy right now. Because Goff is actually playing his ass off, and Stafford is just playing like ass. He's up there, out there, playing there like he's on the parade, stage watching that photographer take that ugly fall and then doing absolutely nothing about it. I'm telling you, this dude was ugly all night long. However... It was the deciding play of the game that pretty much summed up exactly what I'm saying. Stafford going to throw out right, intercepted and coming back the other way. Talanoa Hufunga, touchdown! San Francisco! Niners radio, that sounded eerily similar to touchdown San Diego! Anyway, Stafford. Stafford now has twice as many pick sixes as any other quarterback in the league since 2020. And that was far from the only time he threw it straight to a Niner last night. By the way, how about a shout-out to that guy? Shout-out to an emerging defensive star in Talanoa Huafunga. Talanoa Huafunga! Dude is good. This dude makes plays. Lots of plays. In fact, shout out to the entire Niners defense. Yes, Stafford was terrible. But part of the reason he was so bad is because that Niner D is so good. Because that Niner D was beating the crap out of him. In fact, that Niner D laid that proverbial nice, swift ass kicking on the Rams. Ass kicking. Dominated them in every way imaginable. Pretty much like they always seem to do in the regular season, right? And I'm still not sure if Jimmy G really told Lobster Jr. that all his players suck, all his plays, I should say, suck last week. 
But what I do know is that those same plays or the ones that were called last night work pretty damn well. Either that or Jimmy G is knocking the rust off and starting to round back into form. Now, not as good as he needs to be if they're going to be legitimate Super Bowl contenders, but more than good enough to beat the defending Super Bowl champs. Essentially, all this guy really has to do right now is find a way to get it into the hands of his playmakers, specifically this playmaker, the playmaker, Debo. A leaping catch made on a quick throw at the 50 by Samuel. Broke a tackle 45, breaks a neck at the tackle 40. He's on the hash mark to 30. He's being chased as he comes to the near side 25. Broke a tackle at the 20. Sideline 10, 5, touchdown! What a run after the catch, Debo Samuel! Dude is a monster. Westwood won with that call. It's good to see that arguably the most electric player in the NFL with the ball in his hands. So he can remind everybody that he is arguably the most electric player in the NFL with the ball in his hands. And if, quote, you can't win with a bitch for a quarterback. You can't win with a bitch for a quarterback. I guess that proves that Jimmy is no bitch because that dude wins a hell of a lot of games. Maybe not the last game, but a hell of a lot of games. In terms of that quote itself, that might be one of the greatest quotes of all time. You can't win with a bitch for a quarterback. You can't win with a bitch for a quarterback. Not only one of the greatest quotes of all time, but arguably one of the truest quotes of all time. I'm just not sure it applies to Garoppolo, who has won this team a hell of a lot of games. Now, if my man Marty Bennett, Bennett. Martellus Bennett, is right, Bennett. and this guy is a bitch, then the Niners are pretty lucky to have that B. I mean, no, he's not spectacular, clearly, but at least he's not Gofford. This dude's record as a starter now is 34 and 15. So you might not be able to win with a quote bitch for a quarterback. But obviously these guys can win with Jimmy G. On the flip side of that, for the Rams, the best play they made all night long didn't even count. But it was still pretty incredible because it was a hit on an idiot who sauntered onto the field and then paid the ultimate price. And here comes a stoppage in play because someone has run on the field with a smoke bomb that is pink and he's running up the sideline. Now a couple of Rams come over there and make the tackle. And he's in a cloud of pink smoke so you can't see him. Kevin, I think this is becoming a thing. We got the pink smoke coming again. This is one of those gender reveals. Somebody at home's having a girl. I thought maybe that the last one we saw was uh, for some animal rights or something like that. I don't know. I, I just think, hey, I'm going to run out on the field at the 49er game and get arrested just so I can let my honey at home know we're having a girl. That guy is headed to the slammer, and it will not be a good night. Westwood won. couple of pros on the call. A future Hall of Famer trucks a moron on the field. A moron running around with a pink smoke bomb. Now, don't get it twisted. It was awesome. It was awesome. But not even in the same area code as Rutgers return man slash legend Aaron Crookshank blowing up that punter way late and way out of bounds after running for a first down in the fourth quarter of a blowout. It's not that. Nothing is. In fact, after spending even more time with that last night, and I did, 
And I did. And I probably will tonight, too. After spending more time with that, I've decided that is the single greatest play in the history of college football. Like, so much so that I have never, ever asked. Follow me on this. I have never, ever asked for a player's autograph. Well, since I was in second grade. I mean that. As somebody in this business my entire life, I have never asked an athlete for an autograph except in second grade when I sent a card to my idol, L.A. Laker guard, Gail Goodrich. And I asked for an autograph picture. And Gail Goodrich, legend that he was, sent me an autograph picture back. That is the only time I have ever asked for an autograph. But I'm thinking of asking Crookshank for his. Oh, one more thing. I have never worn a jersey, not since I was 12, when I used to rock Terry Bradshaw's, because he was my other childhood hero growing up in Los Angeles, of all people, of all things. So I'm not one of those guys, no offense, jersey guy, but I stopped wearing other people's jerseys when I was 12. No offense, jersey person. However, I'm looking for a Crookshank gamer, if anybody's got any of those, or that one. And as you know, I do not play favorites, so I do not have a favorite player or athlete or coach or any favorite anything in any sport, except for Crookshank. Crookshank. He's my new favorite player, maybe my favorite human being. Can you tell? I like that player a lot. Anyway, Bobby Wagner, Crookshanking, this idiot, or Mike Curtising, for our older listeners, this idiot was the next thing. Hey, listen, you want to protest or gender reveal or whatever the hell you're doing? Knock yourself out. But doing it by running onto a field with some of the baddest mothers ever in pads who know they've got a free shot and they will take it every single time without consequence makes you the biggest idiot ever. And running onto a field that is patrolled by one Bobby Wagner when his team is getting its ass kicked and embarrassed on national TV by a rival is dumber than the dumbest thing ever. And how about that security guard? Man, and to make this even more amazing, how about the security guard chasing in pursuit only to absolutely blow a tire? Did you see that dude go down? According to George Kittle... After the game, he said that that guy happened to pop a hammy. That was awesome. That was a great hit. Um, I was so confused. I actually feel really bad. Our, my, my guy, Mike Anderson, popped his hammy. Uh, he's, he's a king of kings. He, you know, he's the guy that secures his entire team. Went out there, didn't do well. Got to get him warmed up next time. Would you? I wish. I didn't even see him. He just like went right past us, and everyone was, like, started making noise. I was like, is there a streaker? Nope. Cloud of pink smoke. So thankfully, it was just pink smoke. Yeah, and what's left of your king of kings knee ligaments. Hey, I'm no doctor, but I don't think I need to be. I don't know about the hammy. From where I was sitting, it looked like dude shredded every single ligament in existence. It looked like this dude stepped on a landmine. So that pink bomb carrying a-hole actually took one with him. Unbelievable. I guess on the bright side, my guy, king of kings, at least you work for the 49ers and not the Miami Dolphins because you know damn well they would have made you finish your shift.
They would have had an independent doctor look you over and say, you're good. You're good. Back out there. Hey, Ram's house. Y'all best get your house in order. Because right now, Ram's house still reeks of stale beer and cigarettes like the morning after a blowout at a frat house. Hey, Ram's. Wake the hell up. That Super Bowl haze is supposed to happen to the loser of the Super Bowl. Remember all that run it back, run Run it it back, back. run Run it back. back. Remember all that stuff? Remember when The Rock, no less an authority and celebrity than The Rock, embarrassed himself and called for a rampage. These guys are running it, backing it. And rampeding it. Run it back! Run it back! And, and remind me once again why the Rams picked up Allen Robinson. Two catches, seven yards, but at least he's getting a hell of a lot of cardio in, right? He's looking up at some guy named Ben Skronik. Von Miller ain't walking through that door. Neither is Big Wit. Odell might. But then again... Even Odell might be thinking twice if he's losing targets to Sko Benronic. And how the hell did the Niners, how the hell did the Niners and that defense lose to the Broncos last week? I'm telling you, week to week, the NFL, gambling is hard, dog. Well, not for James Kelly, apparently. 5-1-1. and But for the rest of us, gambling is hard, dog. Damn near impossible to figure out. Only a moron would continue this. Makes you want to close all your betting accounts and just quit cold turkey. (laughs) Yeah, right. I'm funny. So who you got for TNF? Who you got for TNF? It's already Tuesday morning at 917. Who you got for TNF? Broncos or Colts. Never too soon to talk about it. In fact, we're already falling behind. Who you got? TNF. Broncos or Colts. The next 60 seconds is dedicated to every small business owner whose company was disrupted or shut down during the pandemic. You may have overpaid on your payroll taxes. If you have five to 500 employees and you paid wages and health care costs during COVID, you may be eligible to receive an employee tax credit of up to $26,000 per employee. Even if your CPA told you you do not qualify or you already received a PPP loan in the past, Omega Accounting Solutions has helped thousands of small businesses recover more than $400 million in ERC cash. In fact, many CPAs and payroll companies turn to Omega for ERC tax guidance. Just goes to show how trusted, knowledgeable, and well-regarded they are. And with over 50 years of experience in financial management, business leadership, and corporate strategy combined, you can count on Omega every step of the way. To learn more about the employee tax credit or to schedule a quick and easy free 10-minute ERC consultation, call 1-800-704-2000 or visit omegataxcredits.com today. Jamie Chadwell, of course, is the head coach. He joins us right now. Jamie, it's good to have you back. How are you? I'm doing well. I appreciate you having me back on. Always good to have you on. In fact, first things first, how are you and everybody connected to the program after Hurricane Ian blew through your campus in Conway, South Carolina? 
Well, I appreciate you asking that. You know, down down by the beach, we obviously had some storm surge and some places down there, but up up inland here uh, on the campus, we had some uh, we had some tree limbs and some things down. But besides that, everything was okay, and uh, we were able to obviously, you know, have a game that uh, that same night. Good to hear it. And it was a wild game at that. I mentioned you beat Georgia Southern 34-30. to What did your team show you in grinding out that tough win the way they did? And what were your biggest takeaways? Well, I think we're resilient. Uh, we, we've, we've In three out of our five wins, we've had to come back in the fourth quarter, and we've been able to do that. There's some resiliency, and we got some character. And, and I think the main thing I've learned about our team, Jim, is that uh, – we believe in each other that we're never out of a situation, no matter how bleak it might be. We, you know, we were down, uh, you know, two points with a minute left, roughly, and find a way to come back and win. Jamie Chadwell joining us, and of course, your running back, Jamie C.J. Beasley, scored the game winner when he jumped over a Georgia State defender on his way to the end zone. It was an unbelievable play. What was going through your mind as you saw that play develop, and then he finished it? I could see it from behind. I was like, uh, he's going to jump him. Like it was, uh, he's going to try to jump this guy. And so I'm starting thinking, please don't look fumble the ball. Please don't fumble the ball. Just get tackled. And then he, then he, then he projected himself over it. And if if we were at a power five, this would have been a Heisman moment, Jim. That's how unbelievable it was. And then he landed on his feet, about getting the end zone. It was one of the most spectacular plays that I've ever witnessed live, or you know, watching watching college football. I want to correct myself and say Georgia Southern, you're right, Jamie. That was an amazing moment. I mean, it's like that was a jump off the couch moment no matter what level you play at. It was incredible. You know, when you look at your program, obviously, Jamie, nobody knows your program the way you know your program, but there were a number of analysts who said before the year that it looks like a rebuilding year for that team. They're only returning seven starters. Is that how you and your staff viewed it, or how did you view it coming in? No, I mean, we knew we lost some great players and, more importantly, great leaders. So we knew that there was going to be some uh, challenges, you know, with when you lose that many players. But we also felt like we had a culture in place, Jim. We felt like we recruited well and that, uh, you know, those, it was those time for those young players to step up. We, when you have a quarterback like the way we do that's a senior leader, then obviously that gives you a chance in every game. And But these young players are growing each week, and we felt like we had a chance to be what we have been the last couple of years if things went our way, and so far they have. Coastal Carolina head coach Jamie Chadwell joins me once again. So the conference, and I've talked a lot about this already this year, but the conference is having a huge year. You've got Old Dominion beating Virginia Tech. You've got App State shocking Texas A&M. Marshall winning at Notre Dame. Georgia Southern knocking off Nebraska. Jamie, did any of those wins, any of those wins surprise you at all? Uh-oh. Jamie. Better pick that up, Jock. Haven't had the Dana White music in a while. You know how these hard questions get. Maybe there was some shock. Maybe there was some shock in those wins. Speechless. <laughs> Jamie, I found you. I was talking about some of the big, big wins you've had out of conference. I ran them all down. Did any of those wins out of conference surprise you at all? No, uh, I think we've the past two or three years we've been speaking highly of our conference and how how good it is, and uh, we just knew it was going to be a matter of time before we got national recognition with with Commissioner Gill making the new moves and the new teams coming in. Uh, obviously, they've established uh, some big wins already, and then you see how good JMU is doing. They're undefeated. We weren't surprised at all. We know how uh, how good this league is. 
In fact, I'm going to talk some JMU football coming up next hour. You know, when you've had the success that you've had in recent years, there's this great story that a fan came up to you after an 11-2 season and said, quote, hey, coach, tough year. You'll get them next year, which to me is a classic, classic line. How did you respond to that fan? And then how much have expectations changed in and around the program? Well, <laughs> honestly, I just smiled and said, hey, man, things have changed. The two years prior, we were 5-7. and seven. They were wanting to fire me. Uh, and, uh, you know, now 11's not enough. I just smile, but then I thought, you know, I mean, that's that's what happens when you have uh, success and you have a lot of success. That's how quickly it changes on what uh, what we define as success, especially your fans. You know, how uh, they'd have been happy with the bowl game after the first year. Now, if you don't win more than 11, it's a, it's a rough year, but that, that's part of being in sports, uh, and uh, it's what have you done for me lately, and we understand that, and that's why, you know, our expectations are higher in our program. Jamie Chadwell joining us. You know, part of being in sports also is when you have that kind of success, there's going to be interest from other places. We know this, of course, so the inevitable speculation has been there the last couple of years. I know if I ask you about that, Jamie, I have a pretty good idea how you'll answer it, so let me ask you this a different way. Do you ever address the outside speculation about you with your team, if anything, just so they know or just so they remain focused do you address it with them I I have actually nothing this year because this is all speculation but if there's if there's been an opportunity there was two years ago where I actually you know interviewed for you know another job I let those guys know I told them straight up hey this is what's happening uh if you want to know more you come see me uh because I I think they're, they're they're not naive they know they see things but I never I never bring up something that's all rumor if there's some truth to it then I'm gonna tell them because that's that's how we try to you know, run a program is, is to be truthful with each other, and I would want the same from them. Uh, and uh, it's worked for me in the past. And if it ever comes to fruition again, then I'll, I'll do it the same exact way. You know, Jim, you just said something I was going to ask you about. I was going to say, should it, oh, first of all, I appreciate that candor very much, and I'm sure they do too because any player on any level only wants that from the head coach. They just want to be shot straight. Do you want that, though, in reciprocation? With the transfer portal being what it is, would you appreciate that same kind of reciprocation from the players? Hundred percent. You know, if if you're not happy, or if you, if if there's something you're looking at somewhere else, uh, and and you can't find that that happiness, that joy here, and you want to go somewhere else, hey, I'm for that. Let us know. You know, because hey, we want to help you too. I mean, I I don't want to lose anybody, especially you know you're good players. But if you do, uh, we know them better than most people. Let's try to help them get to the best place possible for them. So hopefully, because of that trust uh, that we're building in our program, that. That goes both ways. We're talking to Jamie Chadwell for a few more moments. So you're going to head to Louisiana Monroe on Saturday. As you've been breaking down that tape, what do the Warhawks do well, and what concerns you the most about that matchup? Well, I'll say this. Coach Bowden, this is his second year. He's done a fantastic job of, of turning that culture around. Uh, they've got a lot of coaches that have coached a lot of football for a long time. Defensively, they show you a bunch of different looks. They're, they're, they're going to try to cause a lot of havoc. And then offensively, they've got a quarterback that can really beat you uh, both ways. Uh, uh, he's, he's very talented with the football. And so, and it's hard to win there. Jim, we've never won there before in our, in our history here. We're 0-2 there. So we, it's been a challenge for us. So it's a, it's a big game. And what we're learning is everybody wants a piece of, uh, of the undefeated team. And we're one of those. And everybody wants their, giving us their best shot. So we'll have to go play well to win it. You know, one more thought, Jamie. In terms of that, you mentioned JMU. I've got Kurt Signetti coming up next hour. What do you make of the job that he's done there and at James Madison? You know they have a culture of winning. They've always won. But still, that's a big step up for them to join that conference and they have shown up really well to start. What are your thoughts on him and the program there? He, he's done a fantastic job. Uh, and, and be honest with you, I don't know if anybody in our league is surprised. I mean, you, 
we know how we came from FCS. You know, a lot of the teams in the Sun Belt came from FCS. If you're one of the top teams in the country in FCS, which they were, they're really, really good. And so none of us are surprised that, that they're already competing at a high level. Uh, you know, seeing him at the at the media days this summer, he he was pretty confident his team was ready to go, and um, and he's done a fantastic job with that. And so it's uh, it's good to see when you when you get teams come in and they're having success like that. This helps our conference uh, so much more nationally with the team that's respected like them. So then, one thought about that: How much has your conference closed the gap, Jamie, or the perceived gap with the Power Five conferences the last couple of years? I think we've made a lot of progress uh, with with the wins that we've been able to do over the last uh, three years out of conference versus Power Fives. Uh, our teams performing well in bowl games over the last few years. I think we're closing it more and more that we're getting more regular. Our goal was to be the best, you know, non-autonomy or G5 conference in the country, and I think that we're closer and closer each year. And this might be the year that we get established as saying, hey, they're the best conference in the in the country in G5. I think you're right. I love the conference. I love talking Sun Belt ball. Jamie Chadwell is the head coach at Coastal Carolina. They've got another big one coming up. They're undefeated. They've got Louisiana Monroe coming up on Saturday. Jamie, I appreciate you and the relationship. Great to have you back on the show. Thank you very much. Thank you for the opportunity. Hey, are you craving some protein after a good workout? I always am. Listen, this time, don't make a shake or eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender and made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And it goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach, anywhere at all. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you clones if you do not see it ask for it by name because no other jerky compares oh trapper what's your beef we've been talking some college ball and in case you did not realize it but it is an enormous week in college football because this saturday a major tab comes due a tab that's been running up since may i think you know what i'm talking about right a tab that started when jimbo fisher spit out all that vicious smack in Nick Saban. Now, to be fair, Red Ass did start it. Normally, I'm not about that. Yeah, well, he started it. Except Red Ass did start it. But Thin Skin, he provoked it, if you prefer. Thin Skin, though, absolutely lost his mind. Hence the gloss, Thin Skin. Remember, Red Ass claimed the Texas A&M, quote, bought every player on their team. A&M bought every player on their team. It's an amazing thing to say. He just flat out said it. They bought every player on their team. A&M bought every player on their team. Now, well, that didn't take long for it's being run back to Red Ass himself, or I should say Thin Skin. Thin Skin, upon hearing that, jumped up and down with both feet on the big red button. You know, the nuclear option. He called the greatest college football coach ever and his own mentor, quote, despicable. It's despicable. A narcissist, a narcissist. And someone who thinks he's God. Some people think they're God. Go dig into how God did his deal. He then told the media, as you just heard, go dig into how God did his deal. Go dig into his past. And you may find out a lot of things you don't want to know. Then he said that he was, quote, done with Saban and topped it off with maybe someone should have slapped him. Somebody should have slapped him. 
as a kid. I mean, don't get me wrong. I absolutely loved all of it. The greatest college coaching feud in the offseason ever. I mean, I don't just like that energy. I want to mainline that energy. If you could put that energy in a pill or a needle or whatever, I would take it. I would buy it. I would slam it. I would shoot it. I love that energy. I love it. However, however, when you spit that much smack at the goat, the bill eventually will come due. And you know Thin Skin knows that because Thin Skin has done his best to try to backtrack from that epic meltdown, that epic implosion, like when he tried to spin this nonsense back in July. I mean, listen, you, you, you get two competitive guys who have disagreement or opinions or whatever, and we both voice them publicly for the first time. Both of us have ever done that. And, you know, we both can grow from that, and hopefully we will. And, and, but, you know, there's competitiveness, and I have great respect for Nick and, and his program and everything he's ever done. Actually, been, we we'd been very very good friends for a long time. And that's who you fight with the most? <laughs> Your brothers, the people you're closest to. Yeah, you notice I'm not laughing because that is as lame. That is as lame and as whack as his initial rant was. Incredible. You cannot walk back that flaming lava, thin skin. Literally every one of those comments. Every single thing you said about him was a reason to go. Any one of them is a reason to go. And you're trying to walk back all of them when any single one of them is a reason to go? Hell, that's an even bigger reason to go than saying them in the first place was a reason to go. You trying to walk that all back is a bigger reason to go. You can't say what you said about the red ass and then whip around and say, oh, excuse Come, me, excuse me my, my bad. bad. Oh, my bad. I, I didn't mean that. Wrong. My bad. My, my bad. bad. My, my bad. Excuse me. Sorry. Come, excuse me. You don't get to turn around and say, hey, you know what? Actually, never mind. You know how that is. We're actually good. We're great. We're best friends. Brothers. We're brothers. That's why we fight. We're brothers. Brother. Let me tell you something. Thin skin, nobody's hearing that. Nobody's hearing that, least of all your, quote, brother, the dictator. Brother. He's going to bring his tide to College Station on Saturday to send a message and to collect on that tab, which is why Coach Red Ass sounds extra red-assed this week. Not only did the entire sloppy war of words go down this offseason, but Alabama went down to Jimbo and this AM team at home a year ago. Remember? Red ass tried to warn everybody about the rat poison going into that game, and it didn't work. Nobody listened, and they got beat. This year, knowing that, he is doing it again, only this time much, much louder and with greater intensity. You know, I was talking about rat poison last year when we played this game. Nobody would listen. Players wouldn't listen. You all didn't listen. They had lost the week before. We were big favorites. It was like no big deal to show up for this game, go play the next game. And I don't get affected by it because I don't listen to you all. I really don't have any interest in what anybody thinks about any of this stuff. I do have an interest in how it affects and impacts the players on our team. Uh, and I think it does. And I think they have to show maturity and how they manage it and know that external opinion, external noise, whatever you want to call it, 
rat poison, whatever it is, absolutely has nothing to do with the outcome of the My game. My man, he's like going round and round, isn't he? nothing to do with the outcome of the game. They don't block, they don't tackle, they don't catch passes, they don't make sacks. All they do is make noise. And if you want to take them out of the game, just play well, execute, and then they won't Dude, be Dude, he's pissed. They'll leave. He is red-assed. Now, normally that's where I jump in, and I wonder what the hell red-ass has to be so red-assed about. Except this time, I know exactly what's up. This time, I know what time it is. This time, I actually love it. Because clearly this time, red-ass has got a can of whoop-ass with thin skins name on the front. The dictator is trying to slap the crap out of Jimbo for Jimbo saying that somebody should have slapped the dictator. And he's not going to allow his guys to have another letdown. Not after last year and not after Thin Skin said what he said about Red Ass. Somebody should have slapped him. He thinks he's God. Unfortunately for AM, they're limping into this game fresh off a letdown of their own because they got worked by Mike Leach and Mississippi State last week, which knocked them right out of the top 25, which is why Bama is a 24-point favorite as of this morning for the game on Saturday, even with a banged-up quarterback of their own. So leave it to thin skin to ruin the stakes of the best college football grudge match in years. A month ago, thin skin. And his Aggies were number six in the nation. Now they're crawling into Bama, looking for mercy, hoping that Red Ass forgot what Thin Skin said. And their only hope is that the reigning Heisman Trophy winner doesn't play because Bryce Young is still day-to-day with that throwing shoulder tweak from the Arkansas game. But if you want any more info about his status or about his backup, Jalen Milrow, Ask anybody else except Coach Redass because Saban ain't having that at all. So quit asking him about his QBs. You've talked about Jalen Merrill's unique skill set. Just given that, is there a thought of maybe putting a package together for him regardless of Bryce's injury status? We already have one. So you want us to put a new one together now just because he might play or use the old one? I mean, we can do either one. I mean, I, I'll, I'll go talk to the offensive coaches and see. Bill Belichick would be proud of that response. Again, you know, I don't talk to Jimbo on a regular basis, but I'll call him and tell him right after the, the conference if you want me to. Dude, I mean, you, some you rat sarcasm. I love that. To do hey, what do you want me to do? You want me to tell you team? right now? You, you how about I just call up. Jimbo right after this and let him know? Why don't I just send Jimbo the game plan? Well, I like that. I like that sarcasm. It sounded like me. You get that, red ass. Ordinarily, I would say this is so annoying. This is so lame. The same tired lecture. Here we go, round and round, round and round with the red ass. Except notice I'm not saying it. I love it. I love it because this time it's real and it's raw and it's personal. Hey, but by the way, Nick, and you know this. You don't need me to tell you, Nick. If there's one thing you don't need anybody to tell you about, it is the rap poison. You're right, my man. My man, you are my man now. My man, that rat poison is everywhere. Nick, do not trust anyone. Don't take the cheese. Hell, don't even take your beloved little Debbies. If I were you, Nick, I would get one of your assistants to bite into one first. If that assistant does not start puking or die, then and only then should you finish the pack. 
Because I wouldn't be surprised at all if Thin Skin slipped some of that rat poison into the little Debbie pack. Thin Skin's already under fire for under-delivering there, and he knows you would like nothing more than to embarrass the hell out of him and run it up. He knows. It's ridiculous. Man, I can't wait for this one. I've never said that. You go, Nick. I appreciate that. Beware the rat poison. Nick Tater's right. So I've got a quick question for you. Do you feel like your antiperspirant keeps you dry all day long? Dove Men Plus Care Dry Spray has an instantly drying antiperspirant formula that can help give you a cleaner feel and offers 48-hour sweat and odor protection. I said it. 48 hours. It's incredible. And on top of that, Dove Men Dry Spray feels light and it's clean on your skin and it's quick and it's easy to use, especially when you are on the go. And Dove Men Dry Spray contains Dove's unique one-quarter moisturizing cream that helps to protect your skin. You know you got to have that. You have to moisturize. It leaves your skin feeling comfortable and it helps to protect your skin as well. Truly, take advantage of that. You've got to moisturize. Try Dove Men Dry Spray. Goes on dry, clean feel, all day. Kurt Signetti is my guest. Kurt, nice to have you on the show. How are you? Doing great, Jim. Hope you are. I'm doing well. Good to have you, Coach. Thanks so much. So I want to say, so far, so good. You're 4-0. Nothing is easy, but you're making the transition to the Sunbelt Conference seem pretty seamless. What's it been like for you and the program in taking that big step so far? Well, you know, I think there were a lot of unknowns in fall camp with our team, but I think a lot of coaches are kind of going through that, especially with the transfer portal. And I even told the team in the locker room before the first game that, you know, we have a lot of questions we have, have to answer today. So, but the, the one thing about our place, you know, we have great tradition, culture. Our kids are used to winning. They expect to be successful every time they go out. They they keep their standards high. They compete. And, uh, you know, it's been pretty much like it was last year, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, we've gone out, we've played well, we've flied around and passed every test. It's really interesting. Kurt Signetti joining us. I talked to Jamie Chadwell, Kurt, last hour, and he said nobody in the conference is at all surprised by your success because of what you just said, that there's a process, there is a culture. You're used to winning there. You know, I'm kind of curious, did, does any of that change? When you make that move up from FCS to FBS, it, does any of that process or culture change, or does it just transfer? Not really. I mean, um, you know, we looked at a lot of Sunbelt tape as a staff in the spring, playing new teams. Uh, you know, we told the kids in spring, you know, we're going to have to commit to a higher standard. Uh, but in terms of the way we do things, the way we prepare the process, uh, you know, it, it's all the same. Now, I wonder about this is if that's all the same, what about recruiting? I mean, it's different for everybody right now because of the portal and everything else. But when you take a step up like that, I'm kind of curious, what was the recruiting pitch when you were where you were? And then what is your recruiting pitch in a new conference now? Well, you know, before it was, there's five places in the country you can win a national championship any given year in Division One, And that was Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, North Dakota State, and JMU. And now with the BCS expanding to 12 teams here uh, soon down the road, you know, it's going to be, you know, we want to play college football playoff. Kurt, I was going to say, obviously you're thinking big. And then I was going to say to you, how big? Are you thinking college football playoff big, that big there? Absolutely. I mean, 
I think, you know, James Madison has tremendous potential. We have resources. We have facilities, winning culture, good recruiting base. We're used to winning. And, uh, you know, the goal year in, year out's always got to be to win the conference and be one of those teams that plays in the 12-team playoff, which I got to believe, you know, the, the, the group of five non-autonomy schools, at least the highest rated one, will be a part of. Now, I'll tell you something else you have there. You have something that a lot of coaches want. You've got that good veteran leadership at quarterback. One of the reasons the offense has been so dialed in, it seems to me, has been the play of your quarterback, Todd Santeo. He's had a great deal of experience, a grad student, spending the last couple of years at Colorado State after starting his career at Temple. What has Todd brought to your program on and off the field? Well, you know, it was an adjustment for him to learn the offense because he had a push a few more buttons than the previous offenses that he had been involved in. So he really needed the spring in about half a fall camp to start to get comfortable. But he's got great competitive will. He's a good leader. He's really respected by the team. Uh, you know, physically, uh, he can run. You know, he's 220 pounds. And he's our leading rusher right now. That's not by design, but he is. And, and, you know, he can spin it and he can throw it. And, you know, he can extend plays. He can get out of trouble, makes good decisions. So, you know, once he settled in about the third series of the opener, you know, he, he's just improved every single day. I like it. James Madison is at Arkansas State Saturday. They are undefeated right now. Their head coach, Kurt Signetti, is joining us. You know, Kurt, because of the great start, you and the program are getting some much-deserved national run. You're getting votes from your peers in the coaches' poll. We've got you on this show. We made that a priority. But even with all the prior success that the program has had, these are all pretty heady times, right, for young college athletes. Having worked at Alabama with Nick Saban, are you reminding your players to beware the rat poison? Always beware <laughs> the rat poison. Oh, you know that. Had, I pulled that one out last week. And, uh, you know, you got to be process-oriented. you got to be where your feet are. You know, being here now, locked in, focus, control the controllables. You know, what you control is your effort and your preparation. And, uh, you know, our guys are hungry. I think they're they're humble and hungry right now. Uh, every week, you know, they're breaking through new barriers. So, uh, you know, I thought we responded fairly well against Texas State after a big win down at App State. And we, we understand that this is going to be a tremendous challenge against a vastly improved Arkansas State team on the road. That was a huge win against App State, too, I would add. So, Carl, let me ask you, you read your team a quote. In fact, it may have been, was it during the App State game or before? But it was a quote from Gandhi, quote, strength does not come from physical capacity. It comes from an indomitable will. I love that quote. What's that mean to you, and did it resonate with the players? Yeah, um, that was actually Friday in our team meeting. Uh, you know, we always have a team meeting on Friday. And, you know, I just had a sense, you know, we're going to go down there in the hostile environment and, and we're going to be tested in ways that we had not been tested this year. And this team, which had a lot of new faces. And, uh, you know, we also talked about, you know, resilience is all about being able to overcome the unexpected. And it, it definitely pertained uh, because, you know, we, we scored first, but then they rattled off 28 straight. And middle of the second quarter there, you're down 28-3 on the road in your first Sunbelt game. And uh, you're thinking, wow. But, you know, and we knew, and our kids kept their poise. They kept their poise. They never let doubt creep in. Uh, you know, we kept playing one play at a time. We stopped the bleeding and, you know, started executing like we could and turned the momentum around and, uh, 
you know, overcame the challenge and, and succeeded. It, it was a great win and proud, you know, proud of the kids and the coaches. But there's no question that, that those quote, that quote from Gandhi, you know, the indomitable will, one will never, that will never be subdued or defeated came into play there. And I think it resonated. I'll tell you what, it resonated with me seeing it. And Kurt, I think we might, if anything, be underselling it. Your first game in that conference in an extremely hostile environment at a great, great program to fall behind like that, not blink, not flinch, come all the way back, get a win. I mean, what does that do for the the culture, the core of the program, and the confidence of your team? Well, you, first of all, it was a tremendous win for everybody that loves JMU. You know, we have, we have tremendous support here, booster support from the administration. People here have a lot of pride. So it was a great day for all of them. For, for our guys, it was like, you know, I mean, I can't even put it into words to come back from 25 points down with two and a half quarters left to play. You know, it's just got to instill a further belief and confidence in our team that, uh, you know, we're good. And, you know, we can overcome any kind of obstacle. And, uh, you know, there's no, it, I mean, it was a great win. An amazing win. Kurt, before I let you go, let me ask you about your father, Frank. He was a legend. He was a former coach of West Virginia. What was it like growing up a coach's son? And what was your dad like? Well, my dad was a tremendous role model. Uh, he really helped a lot of people in life, uh, inspired a lot of people. He overcame cancer uh, when I was a senior in high school. He was a head coach at West Virginia. They gave him his last rights twice. So every day, really, that he lived after that in 1979 was, was a miracle. And, uh, you know, he obviously was a football coach. And I was, me being the oldest, uh, you know, I just loved hanging around the stadiums. You know, he went to West Virginia in 1970 with Bobby Bob, and I used to just hang around. And so I learned a lot from him, obviously. He was a great family man, a great role model. He led through his actions. And, and you know, a very successful football coach. you got a younger brother coaches, too. So, um, you know, I think it's, it's helped me without question throughout my career, but, you know, made me a better person, too. He was a great dad. He really was. Now, I was going to say a tremendous football family, but so much more than that. So finally, it's pretty clear how much respect you have for Arkansas State. Looking at them on film, what concerns you the most about them? They're, they're very well coached. Uh, they've got good skill on offense. The quarterback started at Florida State as a freshman. You know, He's a senior now. He can really spin it. Uh, really good receiving core, running back, speed and quickness, tight ends, very athletic. Uh, defensively, you know, really quick run to the ball, uh, very well coached. Their special teams are in the top three of the conference in almost every category. So, you know, they're coming off a win. Uh, they lost two games where they had leads in the fourth quarter on the road to Memphis and Old Dominion. So, uh, you know, they're vastly improved over last year. This is going to be a tremendous challenge. We're going to have to go down there and execute at a high level, play with poise and you know, no penalties, that kind of thing, protect the ball and, and play really well to have a chance to win. Looking forward to it. Good matchup. James Madison at Arkansas State. That's Saturday night, 7 p.m. Eastern. It's on NFL Network. He is the head coach at JMU, and they are 4-0 and 2-0 in Sunbelt play. Really, really good story. Kurt Signetti, my guest. Kurt, really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Good luck this weekend, and I hope you and I can talk again soon. Thank you, Jim. Appreciate it.
So what is the fastest ball sport in the world? Not baseball, not tennis. In fact, it is the sport of highlight, spelled J-A-I-A-L-A-I, originating in the Basque region of Spain and played professionally in the U.S., most notably in the 1980s. Highlight is making an unprecedented comeback. The ball reaches speeds of 150 miles per hour. The action is intense. The danger factor is high. Six-person teams of professional athletes play the sport at the Magic City Fronten in Miami, Florida. I invite you to check out all the action Monday and Tuesday at 5 p.m. and Friday night at 7 p.m. Go to HighlightWorld.com or download the free Highlight app in the App Store. The sport with its intensity and athleticism is well worth watching. Check out all the action at HighlightWorld.com. Matches are played similar to tennis with a player or team required to win two sets to win a match. Each set is played up to six points. It is a sport you need to check out. HighlightWorld.com. Monday and Tuesday at 5 p.m., Friday at 7 p.m. New York Post on Twitter tweets, quote, exclusive, Tom Brady Giselle Bunchen hired divorce lawyers, sources say. I, I mean, I could sit here and speculate. I could sit here and talk out of my backside. I can sit here and just go on and on and on and fill time and say a bunch of things that I have no idea what I'm talking about because I have no idea what I'm talking about. I don't know what's going on. In fact, I've kind of gone out of my way to stay away from that. And I only got into it as it affected him and his job and his performance because then to me it's fair game for instance what goes on behind closed doors to me doesn't matter it's not my business I don't want them speculating on my life behind closed doors I'm not gonna do that to them however I think it is fair game if it impacts his or her ability to do their respective jobs and if this guy disappears for 11 days in the middle of camp something he's never done before and it's for, quote, personal reasons, then you have to wonder, what the hell's going on here? Where is this guy? What is he doing? Why is he gone? This is time that he needs. This is time where he's trying to get connected with new teammates. I mean, no, he doesn't need it as the GOAT, but he's never, ever done anything like this before. So at that point, we start to speculate. I don't know what it means. I don't know what he did during those 11 days. I don't know if he went back there to try to save his marriage. I don't know if he went back there to spend up those 11 days trying to split up the estate and it was already over. I don't know. I know that he did come back looking like an emaciated Kevin Bacon. I know that. Whatever it was he did during those 11 days, given how he looked and sounded when he came back, I think that whatever he tried to accomplish during that time was the equivalent of a pick six in the Super Bowl because he came back looking battered. He just never looked like that. He never sounded like that. His entire energy, his vibe. Old, man. There's a lot of going on. I mean, have you ever heard that guy say anything like that? The guy never says anything about anything. And that's just being raw. That's being real. Yo, man, I'm 45 years old. There's a lot of bleep going on. 45 years old, man. There's a lot of going on. There is a lot of bleep going on. Because you left as Tom Brady and came back as an emaciated Kevin Bacon. So I know there's a lot of bleep going on. All right, Alvin, that's a little soon for that, I think. 
So I don't really know. Uh, I don't know where that leaves him. I don't know what's going on. And I'll tell you one thing I'm not going to do. The one thing that I will not do, I'm not going to judge. Because I don't know that he picked football over her. I have no idea. I'm not going to judge. I'm just going to talk about this from a football standpoint, from a headspace standpoint, from a commitment standpoint. You know, the guy's human. Come to find out, you might remember on the outside, we look at it and say, man, what would you give to be that guy? What would you give to have that guy's life? That guy's got a perfect life. For the one millionth time, we don't know any of these people. For the one millionth time, everybody is jacked up. Everybody is going through some, something. I don't care who you are. Even that guy. You know, and we know this. But you go back a few years and you would look at him and you would look at her and you would look at them and you look at that life and you'd say, man, this guy's got the perfect life. If such a thing exists, he has it. Look at him. The goat. The Hollywood good looks. The money that his kids, 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 kids can't get to. And she probably makes more money than him. And she's a supermodel. What a life. Just like I wouldn't say, why didn't this guy walk off on the championship and then just go live that life and maintain that life? I don't know. I have no idea what's going on. So I'm not going to judge. And I'm not going to cast any stones. I really don't know. The only thing that I'm really prepared to comment on is the fact that he looks like an emaciated Kevin Bacon. That's what I don't understand. But to his point, hey, man, I'm 45. I'm dealing with some serious bleep. I'm 45 years old. So anyway, that's the New York Post with that. If you want to have a conversation about that, we can. I don't know that he picked football over family. I don't know. I do know that he retired. I do know that retirement lasted about five minutes. And maybe in a quinky dink and maybe not, it seemed to end right around the time Bruce Arians took another position within the organization. That seems like a quinky dink. And if for some reason, and I don't know that this is the case, I don't know. If you want to make the argument that he picked football over family, why would he pick this situation over family? Look what he's coming back to. A jacked up offensive line, weapons that are busted up, an inability to run the football, why would he pick that over family? Unless things weren't so great with the family. I don't know. I don't know. So we'll find out. I'm not going to judge and I'm not going to speculate because one, I don't judge. And two, speculate on what? Who knows? I can only respond to reports. And this New York Post tweet is Tom Brady, Giselle Bunchin. Hired divorce lawyers, sources say. This much I do know. Man, that has got to be some hell of an estate that they've got to break up. I'll bet you it took years to even put that estate into paper and not to break that thing up. I don't think they're going to sit down together with a legal pad and draw a line right down the middle and then just decide, you get that, you get that, you get that, I get that, you get that, I get this. Let me see some of the reaction before I start hour number two with some other thoughts. At Hitman Canadian, in the divorce, 
does Giselle get half of Tom's face? Somebody already has it. I don't think that he's got that to give away. Somebody's already got it. It's already stashed away in some hidden offshore account somewhere. Yeah, yeah, where's the rest of that face? We don't have it. You know, like that guy who's hiding all his money. We don't have it. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And the lawyers are hammering away. Yes, you do. Where do you have the money? There's millions. Where is the money? I don't have it. Show me the money. Find it. I don't have it. It's hidden offshore. Give me half his face. We don't have it. Y- yes, you do. Where? In some offshore account? It's in the Cayman Islands. We'll send somebody down there. We'll retrieve half his face. I am legally obligated to bring back half of his face. Bring it back how? Bring it back. How are you going to transport what's left of his face back? Or the other part of his face? You know, aren't there federal laws or international laws governing face crossing state lines, international borders? I'm no lawyer. There's got to be some sort of law about that. You can't just transport face back, can you? Across international borders? This is going to get really complicated, I think. I mean, what? Can you imagine customs stopping them at the airport? You ever go to, like, Mexico? And when you're at the airport, in order to walk through, they make you hit that big button. And you're just like, oh, man, I, I got to get green. Like, you don't want to be the one who gets randomly stopped. What if they try to come back from the Cayman Islands or wherever, and they hit that button, and it pops red? Oh, crap. Do they have face-sniffing dogs going around the luggage? And does the dog start going crazy? Good boy, good boy, good boy, good boy, good boy. His canine's going crazy. And the cop's like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. You thought you can get away with that. You thought you could just transport face. You thought you could just transport goat face internationally. The hell you can, not past Fido, not past our best. Dogs going crazy. Face-sniffing dogs. 1-800-636-8686. Let me ask you this. There's tricks, right? You didn't try and hide that in coffee grounds to cover the smell, did you? You didn't try and ingest it, did you? A lot of ways to transport illegal stuff. So to answer the question, in the divorce, does Giselle get half of Tom's face? I think it's gone. Right, Rome, it's hidden. She's entitled to it. Yeah, I don't, from the sounds of it, I don't think she wants it. Are we talking about face extradition? Are they going to have to extradite that face? Or is this going to ultimately become a cold case where they can't find the face? And then 10 years down the road with advances in DNA, we found it. 
We've recovered the remains of his face. Starting to get away from me here. All because of Hitman Canadian writing in the divorce does Giselle get half of Tom's face. By the way, who who gets the money? If she has more money than he does, who is suing whom for what? I don't know. I, I, I don't think the face is what's at stake here, Hitman. Left Laguna. I've got a lot of bleep going on. Signed, Deuce K. Metcalf. Man, there's a lot of going on. I guess that's how you win three smack-offs, eh, Lef? Deuce K. Metcalf. I got a lot of bleep going on. Going on. Ed Salty, 2022 is in, because of course she is. Quote, so, he's saying there's a chance... So you're telling me there's a chance. Sarah, a chance for what? War Lady Clones. A chance for you and him? Is that what you're getting at? I mean, I guess. And if not, there's always Jack Del Rio. If not, there's always Kurt Warner. If not, there's always Jimmy G. If not, there's always... G off in Lincoln. This guy writes, Kevin Bacon should sue Tom Brady for defamation of caricature. Brent. Too too clever, Brent. Too clever. Know your room. Know your audience, dude. Too clever. Bella B is in. She wants to take a shot at a TB haiku. Is there a prenup? Plastic TB45. Now you're done, you dweeb. Now I'm done. You dweeb. Hey, Chalk, did you do the math on that? Is that 575? Hey, Bella. There you go. War Lady Clones. We used to have a lot of haikus on the show back in the day. She writes, is there a prenup? Plastic TB45. Now you're done, you dweeb. Now I'm done. Yeah, one thing I would say about, quote, the dweeb. The nerd, the dweeb, the goat. I think that he's going to channel this. I'm not saying they're they're it's gonna be easy to compartmentalize, but we've seen how this guy responds to, you know, stuff, things, controversy, adversity, hate, negativity. Generally, he bounces back. However, this might be a different sort of adversity. This is not deflate gate. So we'll see. This guy's done enough damage as is, but now he's encouraged. The hitman's back. Quote, we're sorry, Mr. Brady, that your face ID no longer works. We don't know why. Signed at the Apple Genius Bar. The thing about that, hitman Canadian, I'm going to allow it. That's true. You imagine? You know you've had too much work done if your phone does not recognize you. There's no setting for that either. You know they have a setting for masks, and you can set that up for your facial recognition. I don't think there's a plastic surgery setting or a Botox setting. Half my face is in the Cayman Island setting. 
They don't have that. I know. I get an iPhone every single year. Not proud of it, but I do. I would know. They do not have that setting. When it says, would you like to set up your facial recognition setting? My answer always is yes. And then it says, would you like to set it up with a mask? They do not have a, would you like to set up half your face being hidden in the Cayman Islands setting? That does not exist. But I'm not going to talk about this. All right, let's go to the phones. We go to Michigan. Pete in Michigan. Good to have you, Pete. What's up? Right on, man. Uh, I can't believe I'm on again. This is the second time in the jungle. Hall of Famer. Thanks, Jim. Uh, I'll tell a quick little story about me and my family. Went to Orchard Park about 20 years ago, and uh, my man, Terry, unfortunately lost his vision, but he took care of security. Me and my family got to run the 100-yard dash there on the, on the field of Buffalo. So I say war to Rick of Buffalo. Now I go to Geoff. Not even Geoff. I'm sorry. Gofford. I'm here in Detroit. Goff. That's not a No. You don't like that car. I don't like that car. Not a very hey, good Alvin, car. what was the matter with that? <laughs> I'm waiting, Alvin. As you know, we're not on TV right now, so you can't see the reaction. <laughs> what? You can't see our reaction. <laughs> Just so you know, Alvin has complete authority and autonomy to, to run any caller. I do not. I don't have that manual buzzer. I don't have the technology. It is fully Alvin's autonomy and authority and decision. He has the last say. If you watch me on TV, notice I don't signal him. I don't do a throat slash. I don't let him know. I just wait. I just wait. So, Alvin, why would you run that guy? Alvin, as expected, says, and I quote, it didn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. And he's right. That did not make any sense. My man was just stringing together nonsensical thoughts. It was like some kind of whack stream of consciousness. It might have made sense in his mind, but dude's like working this jigsaw puzzle and he's slamming pieces together that do not fit. Like, he took all these pieces, he smashed them together and said, look, done. And you're looking at it like, it looks like somebody just puked all over the table. I don't know. You know what, Alvin? Maybe we're being harsh. Maybe we're expecting too much. Maybe if we listen to it again, it will make sense. Why don't we find out? Uh, I'll tell a quick little story about me and my family. Went to Orchard Park about 20 years ago, and uh, my man, Terry... Unfortunately, he lost his vision, but he took care of security. Me and my family got to run the 100-yard dash there on the, on the field of what? Buffalo. So I say war to Rick of Buffalo. Now I go to Geoff. Not even Geoff. I'm sorry. Gofford. I'm here in Detroit. Goff. All right, so to this point of if we listen to it back, maybe it will make more sense. Now that I've heard it back, it makes less sense. I don't know who the first guy he was referencing was, but did he say a security guy let him and his family onto the field at Orchard Park in order for them to run a 100-yard dash? Shout out to Rick and Buffalo, though. That doesn't make much sense. 
And then he transitions to G-off and slips an er goff because I'm hearing the D. What? My man, I don't remember the first call. He did start off by saying, it's my second call ever. I don't remember the first call, but I will remember the second one. Because that made no sense at all. None. But I tried. And and that's one of the calls that we decided to take. This is what I'm saying. I get lots of calls, but not many that make it better. I Man, I hate to do that to a guy that clearly likes me in the show, but brah, that made no sense at all. If you listen to that back yourself, even you would have to admit that makes no sense, even to you. I mean, of course, it made no sense to any of us, but I bet even to you, even your own head with your own thoughts, you're probably like, what? Rome? Jerk? What do you not understand about that? All of it? <laughs> anyway, let's try it. Shout out Rick and Buffalo, though. My man, Terry. Who? Your man, Terry. Unfortunately, he lost his vision, but he still cares to... Wait, wait. Did you say he lost his vision? Wait, did you say your man Terry lost his vision, but did what? Unfortunately, he lost his vision, but he still cares to carry Me and my family got to run the 100-yard dash there on the, on the field. Okay, okay. Let me just stop right there. Try and diagram that sentence. My man Terry lost his vision unfortunately, but took care of security? How could somebody who can't see take care of security? And then that guy got you on the field? And when you got on the field, you ran a 100-yard dash? Me and my family got to run the 100-yard dash there on the, on the field in Buffalo. Was Terry involved in the race? Or did Terry start the race? Did Terry have a starter's gun? Terry? Terry? So I say war to Rick and Buffalo. My man, I'm I'm not making light or making fun or clowning. But I have a question. If Terry unfortunately lost his vision and enabled you to get on the field with the family to run a 100-yard dash, like none of that makes sense to me. However... If I accept that at face value, and he unfortunately lost his vision, and the family got down there to run the 100-yard dash in Buffalo. On the field, Buffalo. How would Terry know who won? Or even when the race was over? Or if it started? He lost his vision. But a shout-out to Rick in Buffalo. I'm here in Detroit. My man, I will say the way you dropped Buffalo was amazing. That did make sense to me. I like so that. I say war to Rick and Buffalo. I say war to Rick and Buffalo, too. We don't know where he is. Legend has it Rick and Buffalo got himself a promotion. And that's why he's not calling. Promoted himself right out the jungle. Go and uh, my man, Terry. Wow, that was something. All right. Terry? Terry, you mole-faced. Go and uh, my man, Terry. Terry? Terry? How about those Mets? They're amazing, aren't they? All right, so 
When we return, speaking of amazing, I want to run down my guy, the big head, James Kelly, 5-1-1. If you think that I'm not going to talk to that guy on this show about our new gambling podcast when he goes off 5-1-1, especially after all the bleep you were talking about him and me earlier, you got another thing coming to you. Good night!